Welcome to Table Talk, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at the dynamic and exciting restaurant world. We sit down with industry leaders as they share best practices, highlight smart solutions, and discuss strategies for growth, ultimately helping food service operators learn how to affect positive change and grow their business. Now, here is your host, editor and publisher of Food Service and Hospitality Magazine, Rosanna Kyra. Well, I'm happy to have here with me today as part of our Table Talk podcast series, two QSR operators who have been dealing with the fallout of COVID-19 pandemic and the effects on Canada's food service industry. I'd like to welcome Ken Otto, president of Redberry, who happens to be Burger King's largest franchisee in Canada, as well as John Letieri, president and CEO of Hero Burgers. So, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen, and thank morning. you for making time out of your crazy and busy schedules these days. Uh, the world has changed dramatically in the last month, so I know all of our days have been upended, and, um, and we really appreciate you taking time to, to be here um, to, you know, on this special edition of Table Talk. To get started, um, you know, as we've all been living through this, um, this unprecedented situation since the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic, most restaurants, as we know, have been forced to close their operations. And realistically, takeout and delivery has become the only viable option for a lot of restaurant companies. If we can start off by just um, better understanding how your company specifically has morphed to this new reality, that would be a great starting point. Ken, can you perhaps uh, lead us into that? Sure, thanks Rosanna, and thanks for including us. It's certainly been a, a time of, of pivoting almost every single day. When you look back, we've been at this less than three weeks and currently at our Burger Kings and our Pizza Huts in Alberta, we have, well, certainly starting off with Burger King, we are now exclusively just serving our guests through our drive through So we are one of the lucky ones where well over 90% of our Burger Kings have the drive through lane and the drive through window available to our guests. And we have relied on our partnerships with Uber skip the dish and most recently with doordash to be generating a substantial revenue stream through our delivery and aggregator partners we start we closed our dining rooms for a takeout uh, early last week just again for the primarily for the uh, the safety and, and concern of our of our crew in our stores and obviously revenues are are down but we do consider ourselves lucky because of the drive-through lanes and we are like a lot of restaurant companies out there we were you know very supportive of our aggregator partners from the get-go and have quite the loyal following on the three platforms right now about you know 20 percent of our sales are coming through the aggregator partners and with that and the drive-through, we are we're making our way through this. But it, it certainly changes every day. You're very lucky, as you said, that you also have that drive-through component, which a lot of other companies don't necessarily have. So, so that must really be helping you a lot, Ken. It is, and you know, it's everything from designing the right kind of signs to designing the reader boards, working with our franchise or partner at Burger King to be using a a ton of social media 
the the one of the key messages to Canadians is that we're just open. I mean, there's so many different messages out there. We're all bombarded by different news stories of what may or may not be open. So I'm sure John's facing the same thing as, you know, we were there to serve. It's it's great to be deemed essential uh, in serving Canadians. So how does that play into Pizza Hut as well? Do you also, you don't have the drive-through capacity there, I would expect. Correct. We were... You know, the pizza channel, as everyone knows, is primarily takeout and delivery anyways. And our takeouts do remain, uh, we are open uh, in Alberta for our pizza huts there. We've designed, you know, new service techniques, which I'm sure we may get into. But our delivery channel is growing rapidly. So we're happy with, with how pizza huts performing. And when people are cocooning, uh, pizza is a natural choice, of course. For sure. So, John, from your end, uh, obviously you're not, you don't have the same numbers as Burger King, but uh, how has this whole situation impacted on how you're doing business uh, from Hero Burger perspective? Well, it's um, um, good morning, Ken. Good morning, Rosanna. Um, its impact is quite a bit. Our sales are, are, are substantially down. Um, we got on this as soon as about two weeks ago and really intensified how we were going to communicate, you know, to the consumers, you know, that we're open and, uh, and the, um, health safety aspect, um, um, on the delivery of food and also at the restaurant level. So we've, uh, we've working with our aggregates. We don't have the luxury of drive through. We are pickup, um, but we've seen a substantial, substantial increase daily on our online ordering. So when you say pickup, John, um, this creates obviously some new challenges for, for operators who have pickup because now we have some safety concerns and issues. What are you doing differently on the pickup? And how many, first of all, how many units are you operating in Canada, in Ontario now? In Ontario, we're at uh, 47. And, okay. Yeah. So what we've done at the store level, so we've communicated that we're open, we're communicating the safety of their food, and we're communicating how we're preparing it. Um, we've got quite explicit at the beginning there and sending out through social media, the details, and then we've created signage within the store. So customer pickup and let's call it delivery pickup. And we put them at separate ends of the counters and, um, we've indicated where they should be standing and they just pick up their food and go. Okay. And how many staff are you operating with these days in your various units? Well, we've gone right back to the, you know, franchisees are operating the stores on their own. Really? So yeah, we have a, the way we've designed our stores from day one is there was always the wall with all our, our screens and then there was a pass through. So there's a great distance between, uh, um, the, uh, the kitchen staff and the pickup area, um, at the store. So we find that to be quite safe. So how many people would you say uh, typically you've had to lay off in your stores? Oh, I would figure, you know, if we employ 500, 550 people in the system, I would figure um, 70%. 70% have been laid off. Yeah. How about you, Ken? Uh, how many people have you had to lay off through this experience? Yeah, you know, it's as John said, it's, it's real unfortunate, but, you know, I, as restaurateurs, we have to, you know, look at our, our financial well-being during this crisis. 
I would say from a, you know, we were at, from a full staff component three weeks ago, we we're probably operating with 60 to 65% of our staff still with us. Oh, that's, that's pretty high. Well, with, with drive through in the dining room and, and you know, a sizable delivery channel, again, I do, and I say this from the bottom of my heart, we are, we're one of the lucky ones. Um, yeah. You know, we say to our, our people, it's, it's not the people that aren't coming. It's, it's, I'm sure John will say, likes us. It's the people that are coming. We have to make sure they're, they feel good. They trust us and, and do the best we can to serve them. You know, I think in normal situations, you know, takeout and delivery um, is a viable part of the business. But when you have your whole business now dedicated only on takeout and delivery, it must be causing a lot of hurdles for you to pivot into only this component. What have been some of those hurdles that you've had to uh, deal with and undertaking um, to dedicate your business now primarily to this to this area? Um, you know, um, well, we've, we've ensured the franchisees, um, you know, to stay open because there is, uh, definitely in most areas, uh, quite a bit of delivery. Um, we've now introducing, um, and we're going through the fine details right now, um, on launching some home meal replacements. Oh, really? So, yeah. So we're probably going to launch on Monday, um, where we are introducing all our proteins in a special box. Uh, safe ordered, uh, cooking instructions, um, all the description of the product and how it can be prepared at home. Um, from all our proteins, like I said, there's a, you know, if you want French fries, a case, of a small bag of French fries or, um, you know, the vegetables to make the burger. So breads, lettuce, tomato, onions. Um, we have all that set up in different packaging uh, formats. So um, if you want your meals at home, you can, you know, you can, you can consider that. That's interesting. So you're doing what basically the grocery stores are doing with their meal kits. Yeah, correct. Um, what made you think about that, John? I mean, I think that's a great um, new revenue stream, but like where, where did that come from? Well, it's always been, we've developed uh, about six or seven, probably Q2 last year, about six or seven labels because we wanted to do some more grocery. Um, <clears throat> now entering into our virtual kitchen business, it gives us options to, um, dissect what were our supplies and and, and re-spit it out in a different format. Um, so we, we've been working on this for the past six months. It's just really something that we were looking to do even to retail probably in Q4 this year, but it really accelerated it and it's a great test for us to see how it performs. So That's fabulous. Advantage. Yeah. It's very innovative. That's great. Um, Ken, from your perspective, what have been some of the new hurdles uh, for you to undertake in this in this new in this new normal? Well, for, I mean, first of all, John, great idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna have some hero burger this weekend. I'll have some. I'll get my family order. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for the plug. Yeah, I, I probably shouldn't <laughs> say I'm I'm sick of Burger King, but I could use some burger. In the house. You got to be careful, Ken. What you're saying there. Yeah, that's okay. okay. <laughs> the the industry needs the support uh, for days. sure. For sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, it's. I think we're we're pivoting a one to large orders. It's a, it really interesting watching the orders come in from uh, the aggregator delivery partners. We could all recall when aggregators first started. We would have people ordering, you know, one burger or one shake. But now we're we're seeing 
people ordering five, six, eight, ten meals because they're feeding they're feeding the household. And I, you know, so I would strongly recommend people that have their menu on one of those platforms, uh, you know, really get out there and sponsor bundles because this is what people aren't behaving as individuals. And of course, those folks are still there, but we see a lot more group orders and, and a lot of big orders. So that, that we've pivoted toward that. We have, you know, contactless, you know, uh, drive through. So we've been working with, you know, Burger King and, and our franchise or partners on getting food and you know, the bags are sealed. Everything's passed you in a tray. So it's just learning different ways of, of connecting with the guest and giving that guest a level of comfort that we've done everything humanly possible to be safe and make our food safe and, and them to feel safe. And then it's it's pivoting on marketing. You know, it's really people are cocooned and they're not we're they're not watching that many people. They're not watching any real sports now. So this is working with your marketing crew or your social digital marketing people, even if it's someone working in their basement. Uh, this is a time to really experiment and uh, connect with people differently. So uh, what have you done on that social media front to really get your name out? I mean, I know myself, we're all at home now, so we're looking at social media probably a lot more than we usually did. What are you doing to stand out in all of that uh, buzz that's going on on social media? Well, Burger King and Pizza Hut have been great on this one. I, I, I give a, a solid shout out to my my franchise or partners here where they have they pivoted very, very quickly to the first campaigns that Burger King launched socially were all about safety. That was the key message that people were most interested in. We've now then pivoted into advertising the delivery and the drive-through channels. And it, it's just being very specific. So you know, there's, there's a time on social to build brand and there's a time on social to break through all the messaging and just tell to simplify your message. I mean, as we said before, there's so much information coming to people these days that keep your message simple, keep it relevant uh, and and yeah, easy to understand. Great. John, from your perspective, what have you done on social to to stand out from from the fray? Well, I think uh, Ken's hit it right on. You got to keep it simple. We've gone from you know the COVID thing to uh, you know to we are open and um, a little bit more. Uh, we've given some tips on how to stay healthy at home with either some exercises or something. But it's really simple to the point of uh, you know stay safe and um, all the eyeballs are are, are right on the uh, on your either on your computer or on your handheld. So it's probably the most eyes we've seen in a real long time. So it's. Uh, it's a really an opportunity to communicate your message and what you're doing and what you stand for and, and how you're there to deliver, you know, safe food um, to their homes. So one of the things that, you know, a lot of us start to think once, you know, we keep being at home for longer periods is the question of, you know, how safe, not safe, but how much can we expect from our food supply chain in terms of keeping us all fed with enough product from a supply point of view, how has your supply of food been impacted? Uh, on our end, we have you know, we have a uh, we have enough food. We have ample food. We do our own distribution here for for our network. So our, our warehouse is uh, 
is full and the suppliers seem to uh, seem to be having food so it doesn't have doesn't really be a you know doesn't seem to be a problem at that end ken how about from your end we're the same way roseanne i think it's very important for you know canadians to know that first and foremost our supply chain and our food safety chain beyond you know every restaurateur and distributor in canada has always been world class and that hasn't changed we have so many heroes out there working for our distributor partners. John, if you're doing it yourself, these are times where we really rely on these people and they have totally stepped up. They've, you know, they've adjusted their uh, shipping and drop-off procedures. They've worked on their own contingency plans to manage through this crisis and we have nothing but thanks for the whole supply chain. Have they been able to do more delivery through the night now with those restrictions being eased by government? Yes. Yeah. Everyone's being very flexible. So that's that must be helping you guys as well. Well, it gives us the, you know, gives us these, uh, the, the tranquility or at least the ease of mind that um, food's going to come in and it's going to come in safe and it's going to go out. So it's one thing down. So we've talked a lot about, you know, the uh, the perception of, well, of being safe for all of us. I mean, that's key these days. And you've talked about, you know, some of that being put in your messaging. What kind of new um, safety protocols are you uh, are you implementing at the store level and through the delivery chain uh, process to ensure that customers feel like their food is being handled safely before they get it? Well, you know, on our end, it's really being, you know, our staff that's concerned, right? When, especially when they walk into a store. So on delivery, it's drop off. Um, normally we kind of, you know, work with the, the operators to load up the fridges and all. Now it's just drop off. So the concern is really not coming from the customer's perspective. It's really coming from the staff and keeping them, you know, um, in a protocol that makes, you know, that they believe that they're safe. Um, as far as the store level, we have, you know, indicators on how they can stand from the counter to pick up. And like I said, our back room is quite the distance from the customer, but it's the staff that's concerned. It's this, you know, it's our, it's our, it's our staff on the, on the street that are like, you know, I got kids at home. I'm concerned about being around and, and that's probably going to be the biggest challenge, but you know, we've really pushing on how the deliveries dropped off at the store, um, what time it gets dropped off and, um, how they're receiving it. And at the, at the kitchen end. Um, minimizing the staff that will be able to do, you know, accommodate the volume of sales. How about things like gloves and masks? Are your staff or employees, are they uh, wearing those? So what's happening on that front? Uh, well, we've delivered all our masks and all our gloves. They should be having them on. Um, some of the franchisees are assured that their people are safe and <clears throat> they don't want to scare the customer with the mask. Mm -hmm. You know, so they're, that perception is, oh, does, is there something going on? Is that why he's wearing a mask? Because there's no interaction with anybody in the back of the kitchen. So right. um, we've given that option to the franchisees, but uh, they have it all in-house. Uh, in and how about you, Ken? Yeah, we've given the same options. I think it's really important that, you know, we are, we're not making our own rules here. The, again, we, I, I believe our various Government authorities have stepped up big time during this crisis. The level of communication on what is safe and operating best practices coming from our health boards and authorities, both at the municipal, provincial, and, and federal level, it's been excellent. 
And so where people you know, need to wear gloves, they are, you know, masks really haven't been deemed to be necessary, you know, based on the, the authorities, but as staff and our crew feel more comfortable, uh, there are, that, that's okay. We gotta make sure they, they're you know, leaving their house every day to work in our stores and you gotta do what's safe for them. How about from the delivery end when you have food that's being delivered, um, especially by third party companies, how do you ensure that they're following the safety precautions in the same way? Because once it goes out of your unit, there's probably a little bit more chance that things, you know, could could happen. What do you do to ensure that? Well, working with Uber and Skip and, and DoorDash, I mean, they, you know, and working with their franchise or partners, they have, they themselves have, you know, told us what they're working on. And they've, again, stepped up like a lot of people have to work on the right protocols for their drivers. We were, we've always been sealing our delivery bags for the past month. So that really hasn't changed. And the standards that they've advised us on, on hand, sanit hand sanitization, sanitizing vehicles, you know, dropping uh, food on your doorstep, we're not even knocking on the door or ringing the doorbell, just the app will tell you when it's there. Uh, we, we feel, uh, I've seen it myself, ordering <laughs> lots of food in and supporting our local, uh, my favorite local restaurant people in my, in my neighborhood. Yeah, they just drop it off and the app tells you it's there, right? And and even in the app, they'll they give you instructions for contextless delivery or pickup. That's pretty good. Very good. And John, from your end? Um, same on our end. Uh, they've assured us that they're, you know, we're taking all the measures to, uh, you know, practice um, proper health safety. Um, <clears throat> I think there's a little silver lining here. I think it's going to really continue after this. I think really um, the whole the whole system's kind of cleaned up to the tip top shape that it, uh, it definitely should always be at. But I think now everybody's being very, very cautious at all levels of uh, manufacturing or producing or making and, and right to the distribution end of it. And I think it's going to continue moving forward. We hope that because I think those would be really good lessons that we can all learn from this, right? Yeah, I think so. From a third party delivery point of view, um, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, these companies are still charging fairly high commission rates, even through this very uh, trouble, troubling time. Um, and, and they've received a little bit of flack on that. But what are you guys feeling about this? I mean, have those commission structures changed at all? Uh, would you expect them to perhaps change during this unprecedented crisis? Um, we've, uh, we, we, I think skips, um, dropped down on their fees across the board. Um, we're just really working on you know, some of the aggregates on, on really, you know, marketing. I think now's the time to really push, push to get people into ordering and to coming to pick up and using our online platform to, to do this. So, um, the more we can communicate that, I think the best as far as they, they've not. You know, I know that a couple of them have not changed their prices, but, you know, almost at this point here, thank God they're there. So for sure. Um, uh, Ken, how about you? No, the industry is very competitive. I mean, we're now probably entering year three or four of having our delivery partners with us in, in Canada. 
So, I mean, we've seen fees as the industry has become more competitive and fees have, have come down. I'm with John, you know, that I, I, I'm a big believer with our aggregator and, and delivery partners. You know, if you look at managing, I've been in businesses where you would manage delivery yourself. Arguably, doing it yourself is, is very, very difficult, if not impossible, and is equally expensive. I always teach our operators and, and myself and our people, there's still profit in that bag when it leaves your when it leaves your door, despite the commissions, if you if you run your PL right. But we're relying on these on these people and, and are very thankful that that they're out there trying hard to keep a lot of restaurants with some revenue coming in, putting revenue in your till. That's what we need right now. So Ken, that's a good point in terms of you know putting revenue in the till. Um, some operators that I've talked to when they when they talk about takeout and delivery, they're doing it because they feel like they have to. In some cases, some of them are saying at the end of the day, it's not really bringing in enough revenue for us, but we feel that we have to do this. What's your what's your feeling on that? I mean, you're you're. It sounds like you're happy that this revenue is coming in. That it's still. It's still a good situation to have this as opposed to nothing. Um, are people just doing this because they just want to have a little bit there and to get their name out? Or is it something that everybody really needs to do to get through the next few weeks or months? Yeah, it's, you know, it's two different scenarios. When your when your restaurant's operational, there's a lot of incremental profit through a delivery order. When you're already busy, clearly it's different if that's all you're doing now. and I could completely understand that if this was your only revenue channel, that the you know the profit margin on that sale, just by the fact that there's a sizable commission attached to it, is a lot less. But as we've seen a lot of great brands do, this is an opportunity to be relevant. Uh, it's to, to you know supporting your community. It's supporting your staff. We're all. We all want to keep our great staff with us. We want to keep great managers. We want to keep great crew. It is interesting. There are companies out there growing. I know the industry has been terribly impacted. And, and again, we feel for every operator out there. But if you have great people, you still want to keep them. And this is an opportunity to, to do that, both in your kitchen uh, and through takeout. So they're, they're very important. John, how do you feel about that? Well. <clears throat> you know, like, you know, Ken mentioned, it would be impossible for us to, uh, to, um, do delivery on our own. You know, everyone's been talking about doing delivery on their own for decades. <clears throat> now, when you do the math, it's quite economical to be able to have a, sep a separate or a new driver come every minute to your store and pick up food to deliver to the home. If it's your only income, obviously, it's uh, it's not enough, um, but you know, with these small independents, it's like saying I'm going to start putting an advertising campaign in my area with billboards. It's not that they would rush into that. So it's really, you know, it's a big elephant, and it's got to you know be be eaten one bite at a time. And it, it's uh, it's revenue in the bag. I, I believe with Ken that there's revenue in the bag. If it's your only seem to you know. Avenue of revenue right now, it's going to definitely be challenging, but there is some revenue and hopefully it can keep the lights on. And I'll just add, John, you're right. And again, not to give out all my trade secrets here, <laughs> but 
you know, the, the industry is going to be back. There's no doubt behavior will be different for the foreseeable future, but there will be a day where people are dining out and getting together and sharing a, a burger or a meal or a glass of wine together. So you use this as a marketing opportunity, put a coupon in the bag, do some kind of bounce back, you know, deliver a menu. Um, it, it is, it's, it's a very unique marketing channel. So look at it that way and, and connect with your people and, and see how you, you know, can message the guests to, to bring them back when, when things will return to normal soon. Those are great points, Ken, for sure. Uh, one, one of the challenges in, in uh, delivery, too, is that a lot of companies um, haven't al always wanted to get into this because they're worried about the integrity of their food, that by the time the food, you know, is delivered to the customer, you know, it's not hot, it's not crispy, it's not whatever it needs to be. Are you feeling that that's an issue for people or, or these days are so um, challenging at the best of times right now that people are just happy to get their food and don't really you know, concern themselves with that too much? What's your thought on that in terms of keeping the integrity of the food? Well, food and coffee degenerate every second after it's made. So you're definitely compromising quality. You know, and I really come to I really come to terms in these times on why my grandmother would scream for me to come downstairs when the food was on the table because <laughs> every minute after that it was not of good quality. Exactly. So you're you're degenerating food, the quality of the food. Um, we definitely you know work on getting orders in here all the time from ourselves and from our competitors to see how the food is coming, and it's not the same from when you get it at the counter. Of course. So we try to minimize that as much as possible. And as long as the aggregates are delivering in the time frame that they can and they're kept in their bags and they're kept proper, that's, I think that's the best we can really possibly do. And I think people right now are a little bit more accommodating and understanding of that. So maybe not as much of an issue as in good times, but, but definitely it's something that, you know, needs to be considered at some point. Absolutely. So given that this has now gone on for, it's only been three weeks, it feels like three months. Um, we don't know how long this is going to last and that's part of you know what makes the situation so frustrating for everybody but in the in the thought that maybe this will go on for another month or two how is this going to impact on your year 2020 um, if it lasts for two to three months as we feel that it probably will what are you looking to accomplish in this year in terms of, you know, where you should be and, and, and what needs to be done. Come on, Ken, you can take this one first. <laughs> I know it's a tough one because we really don't know how long this is going to last, but we've got to go on the scenario that is going to be at least a couple of months. What does this mean? Well, I, someone taught me a long time ago, this, this is the kind of year that makes next year look really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we hope. So, you know, when, when we're, when we're, when John and I are reporting to our board and rolling over comps of, you know, 50%, we're going to say we're just great leaders and heroes in this whole thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but now like it's, look, it's financially, it's, it's, it's terrible on people. Uh, it's it's hard enough on on myself and our people when when 
arguably we still have a sizable level of revenue coming in. Uh, there's we read every day and there's been a, some awesome initiatives out there to support restaurateurs the best way we can from ordering from them, from lobbying the governments to help them with wages and subsidies and loans. Everyone's trying to do the right thing. For if anyone is fortunate enough to be open and serving their food, this has to be considered to be one of your biggest brand building opportunities you've ever faced. And, and not to be to feel like you're going to win and, and beat anyone, but just as an opportunity to build trust within your community, with your guests and with your people. That's the only way to look at it. Uh, the quality you serve, the, the standards of your operation, how well are you taking care of your people? How good is your food being eaten at, at the house or in someone's car? This is the focus. Um, we're, we're focused on the people choosing to, to come to us still, not uh, the people who aren't, because if you focus on that, you it's just a, a bit of a sad story. But I think for the restaurants like us that are open, it's it's a chance to shine and to be better than you've ever been. Great points, for sure. John, how about you? Well, it's definitely going to be an impact financially. It's how we it's how we're able to survive and, and move forward. You know, I've spoke to you many times about our virtual kitchen that we've launched about six months ago, and now is really an opportunity for us to offer the industry some sustainability um, in their in their existing restaurants to uh, to distribute our food in their local areas. So that's uh, one thing that we're very much concentrating on, and there's a big opportunity. But Ken's absolutely right. This is a really opportunity for for companies to kind of make the difference out there, uh, stay core to what they stand for, and have that resonate well with the consumer. And um, we'll see where the chips, you know, land once this is done. But I, I, I believe this is. Uh, I think we're right with a good couple of months. You know, if I just look at the history of people uh, overseas that I've been talking to, they've been quarantined for 17 days, and they're telling them to stay in for another 21, not 14. Yeah. So I don't know where how it's going to affect Canada, but you know, speaking of people back, you know, back in back home, it's it's uh, it's um, it's a tough one. And it's not it's not going away quick. So. No, it isn't. Um, John, you mentioned your virtual kitchen. Do you think once this uh, situation is over, there's going to be a desire on the part of a lot of operators to do more of that because of, you know, the fear of what's happened and, and could it happen again? Do you see more people going to a virtual type setup? Well, we have been, we're having a great response right now, you know, that we partnered with Cisco and all, um, but they're, um, you know, we're talking to uh, their people uh, weekly to, um, you know, to, to get the restaurants existing that are, you know, should I stay open? Is there enough that they can have more to sell right now? Um, moving forward, um, <clears throat> we knew that the industry was uh, soft as it was on the lower level sales and the smaller independents that they could have used a boost that they're definitely going to be looking to get some security moving forward. So there's definitely opportunities here and we see it. We just have to, you know, stay afloat and stay focused and, and roll up. It's really roll up our sleeves and, and pull the wagon really right now. So but that's okay. Over the last few weeks, um, you know, the government has had to step in on a few different occasions with some financial aid to the industry. And I know Prime Minister Trudeau is expected to give a little bit more detail today to his uh, latest um, solution with the 75% subsidy there. 
Are you happy with, with what the government has offered to date? And I know that this will change again today and probably throughout the next few weeks. But are you happy with what the government has offered, um, given some of the new initiatives they've recently introduced? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. I, I think there's so much information coming daily. The, the general answer is, is yes. I think the, the government has had to respond to different operating conditions that are, that are changing. I, I applaud both Premier Ford and, and our Prime Minister about you know, daily updates. Clearly, the, the wage subsidy is, is very good news. It, it doesn't mean you need to be working. So if your business is closed, I think that's what we have to focus on. It, you know, so if, you're, if, if you happen to be employing people, you would now have an, an incentive to, to employ more, but that arguably means that you're open for business. So I think it's, we need to hear a little bit more of what happens when you're just fundamentally closed mm -hmm. and, and don't have an opportunity to, to keep your people on board. Uh, this is a story that still needs to be told and, and uh, eyes and ears open of what our governments might do to help. Okay, John, how about you? Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm tandem with, uh, with Ken. I think that they've done a great job. There's a lot of unknowns over here and they've really communicated it well. They've communicated frequently and they've made decisions. And then, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing is to make the decision and then to see how it works out into the system <clears throat> and, um, and, um, you know, supporting the employees and, and keeping these key people in places. I think they've have a plan in place and, uh, um, it's got to, it's got to work for us somehow, but there's something there that we can work with for sure. Okay. So we're kind of at a critical juncture now because, you know, we're waiting for this situation to get better and we're still seeing numbers rise in countries around the world, including Canada. Um, but as we move forward in this journey that we're all on together, what do you think the industry should do collectively um, to keep the industry strong once we do get through this situation. Um, there's been a few initiatives launched recently to galvanize the industry. Um, I feel that it's great that some of these groups are coming together now to say, okay, what this is what we need and this is how we move forward. What are your thoughts on this? How can the industry uh, work better in tandem to, to get where we need to go? Well, the industry, you know, we, we've been hit I would say the strongest or the most, I think moving forward, um, I don't know what the protocol would be to, you know, to support, um, but I definitely think that people getting into the food service hospitality would really give it a, a, a serious look on, um, on the approach to the industry and how they can maintain the integrity of it and operators to this day that are existing out there that are gonna continue, it's really, really about keeping the integrity of the industry um, valid and uh, how that's going to be done. It's, you know, Rosanna, you're a leader. You're one of our leaders out there. You're a pillar and um, you know, you're going to have some great insight on, on um, maybe some direction on what the industry should do. But I think that anybody that's in this business or anybody that's considering to be in the business is really has to really look deeper into the, you know, into the hospitality uh, sector and see how they're going to contribute with some great integrity and, um, and moving forward. Great comments, John, for sure. Ken, your thoughts? 
I'm sure I echo what John is saying, but you know, you know, Rosanna, you and I have talked about, you know, through food service and hospitality and other involvements with restaurants, Canada, the, you know, the, the power of restaurant touring in this country, you know, the reputation we have for people, you know, this is an opportunity for, you know, Canadians and consumers to look at this industry, not as it's, it's never been entry-level work. You look at the work we're doing today where so many people are, are going to work serving Canadians. We talked earlier about our standards. We've always had amazing standards. The, the things and the standards that our, our folks have to learn and practice every single day aren't entirely new right now because they've been doing it every single day before this started. But the industry needs to band together and support ourselves when this is over about people looking at, at the industry to work, support government supporting the industry. It employs hundreds of thousands of people. And as we see today is integral to making society work. And we need to come out of this remembering that and, and getting the credit the industry is due. Very, very well said, Ken, for sure. I think uh, the industry needs to be looked at in serious uh, in a serious way, which in the past, sometimes from the government, that hasn't happened. So hopefully this will, will help us get into a stronger footing down the road. Um, I guess as a way to close the podcast today, what's your advice to restaurant owners and operators with regard to next steps? I know there's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of insecurity. Uh, there's some restaurants, you know, smaller independents that have had to close their doors permanently because this is just going, you know, to kill them. Um, how do we, you know, what can we say to operators uh, about staying strong and, 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 you know, getting to the next stage in this journey? Uh, what's your advice? Well, you know, this is almost like the first day of opening the restaurant. You're excited, you're nervous, and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So if you keep that vision and um, that passion alive, um, I think it's um, just don't quit on the industry. Don't quit on what you believe in. You can really deliver to people out there. Uh, be true to the industry as a whole and to your business. And, you know, keep the lights on and, and, and fight this through because if it is two months, it's really only two months. The impact is great, but, you know, the seconds will go by and the minutes will go by and we'll, we'll get to the end of it. And how about you? Thanks, John. I think it's, you know, being true to our craft, we have been given the responsibility for those restaurants that are allowed to be open. Uh, we're lucky. Uh, wake up every day looking at it as a, a new level of responsibility to feeding Canadians. People are relying on us to help them get through their day. Our people are relying on us to treat them fairly and to keep them safe. <clears throat> and we're teaching, it's, I'll, I'll steal your words, John, every day is, it's just day one again. So everything you make has to be perfect. Your smiles are bigger, your good, good mornings and goodbyes are louder. Uh, it's an opportunity to build your brand for folks that are struggling, control what you could control, reach out to your partners, be honest with everyone around you, communicate, 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 don't hide, face everything head on. And, and when we get back to normal, because we will, this industry will thrive once again. 
Well, on that note, um, I think that's a great way to end the podcast. I applaud both of you for your leadership in the industry on various issues and for really keeping that positive attitude uh, so up and, and, you know, so center in everything that you're saying and doing, because I think that's what's going to keep us going for, for the next few weeks as we get through this hard, hard period. So thank you very much for your time. I know you have a lot on your plate. And I know that uh, there's a lot of phone calls and a lot of things that need to get done. So we really appreciate your time. And above all, stay safe and stay strong. Thank you, Rosanna. Ken, it was a pleasure. Thank you, Rosanna. Same, John. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Table Talk Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to rate and review our show. Also, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button. For additional resources related to today's episode, please visit our website, foodserviceandhospitality.com. Until next time.